1: Deadline day might have elapsed last week, but the world of football transfer chatter never really stops. Chelsea renewals, free agent Diego Costa making moves, the Turkish Super League. They're just some of the things on today's agenda as I, Jonathan Johnson, catch up with the busiest man on the internet, Fabrizio Romano. Kigolaso begins right now. Well, what can I say, Fab? Delighted to have you with me. How are you doing, my friend? How are you uh, holding up after the transfer window? It got a bit crazy towards the end there.
0: Yes, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Thank you, my friend. Also, it's a pleasure to be to be here. Yes, it was a crazy deadline day and deadline week, I would say, because many things happened, as expected. But now we have still some markets open, so there are some things to do, and then we will see for for January.
1: All right, well, let's take it back to deadline day for a start. Which deal came as the biggest surprise to you?
0: I would say Artur Melo to Liverpool, honestly. Uh, I wasn't expecting Liverpool to go for uh, for Artur Melo at all, because it's a player that was completely out of Juventus plans. They spent three months trying to find a solution for him in Italy, with Roma, in Spain, with Valencia, in Portugal with Sporting, uh, everywhere. Everywhere. They were trying to find a solution and the player was not so convinced, and then in some cases, there was no agreement on the on the salary. So, it was almost clear that Arthur Melo was going to stay at Juventus, even if it out of the plans of Massimiliano Allegri. And then out of nothing, uh, Liverpool decided to go for him on loan with by option 37 million euros. So it was a really surprising deal. But I think it's an interesting one. Uh, I think he needed something different, something fresh after difficult seasons at Juventus. And so let's see how it will will be for, uh, for Arthur at Liverpool. But I think Klopp is the perfect manager to revive his career.
1: Uh, and also uh, as a consequence of that you've got uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Naby Keita left off of Liverpool's transfer squad sco- uh, sorry Champions League squad is there any possibility that there might be a transfer in the offering for either of them with some of the windows still left open
0: I think not now, not now because of the injuries. They have many injuries and so they need uh, Nabi and the uh, Australian Chamberlain also for the Premier League and the domestic competitions. But then I think next summer, uh, Nabi Kate is one to watch for sure. Let's see if January or next summer, but uh, he's going to consider his options uh, and for Chamberlain will be the same. So at the moment, it's still quiet because they need players. It's about the number of players too because of the many injuries they're having. And then I think uh, next market will be interesting for for those players.
1: Well now of course there's going to be a focus on contract extensions and also potential manager changes as well so let's go to Chelsea you've got Reese James extending until 2027 uh, are there any other contract extensions uh you know currently being worked on behind the scenes at Chelsea perhaps in Mason Mount and Goddo Conte
0: I think Mason Mount could be could be the next one. The Rich James one is really important. I think it's really important because we had many rumors about Real Madrid, and it's true that they were tracking him, but it was never a negotiation with Chelsea because he's absolutely untouchable. But it was important for Chelsea to to extend his contract to be quiet and relaxed. Of one of the most important players they have in in the squad. Uh, so as you mentioned, it's a really. Uh, important uh, news for, for Chelsea fans. And now it's time to focus on the other ones. At the moment, I have no news on Jorginho and Kante. Honestly, they are out of contract next summer. But at the moment, I'm told that there are no advanced negotiations yet. So let's see what Todd Boehly, Thomas Tuchel, and potentially the new director of football, if Chelsea will decide to go for it in the next months, will decide for Jorginho and Kante. But as of now, the focus is on Mason Mount. Mason Mount is waiting for a new deal since more than one year. Uh, he's waiting and he's open to sign a new deal with Chelsea. So they need a negotiation. They need to discuss about the length of the contract, the salary, but Mason Mount could be the next one.
1: A bit of a blast from the past when I saw this guy's name pop up on Twitter the other day. Diego Costa to Wolverhampton Wanderers. What's going on there?
0: Yes, a serious possibility because of the ACL injury for Sasa Karlajic. Really unlucky. We wish him all the best. It was a really good signing I think for Wolverhampton and then this injury at the first game was really Terrible news for, for him and for Wolves. Uh, so they need something. They need something in attacking positions. And Diego Costa is available on a free. He was close to joining Rayo Vallecano this summer but at the end, the president, the director were not 100 percent convinced to proceed for Diego Costa. And now Wolves have an agreement uh, with Diego, with his agents, because they already discussed about the contract. It is a one-year deal. So they are ready to sign this contract. But there is an important step, the medical test, because uh, Diego Costa is not playing competitive football since long time. So they want to make sure that he's in good conditions. I'm told that he's always training at the best level Uh, so let's see how it will go it will be tomorrow, this test for Diego Costa, the medical in in England and then they will decide uh, about this signing but it could be an interesting one to see Diego Costa again in in the Premier League in this case as free agent
1: yeah. And obviously, fans will remember him from his time with Chelsea. And Chelsea were the subject of some interesting business in January. We've already touched on some of the potential contract extensions. But taking it back, there was a bit of interest in Edson Alvarez. Uh, and there was also uh, Josco Guardiol as well. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about Chelsea's uh, intention to perhaps revisit those targets come January?
0: I think it depends on how the first part of the season will be. Uh, This will be the the key. For example, they decided to go for Denis Zakaria, and I think if Zakaria will perform at the best level, maybe they will decide to go for one more defensive midfielder next summer and not in January. It depends on the opportunity. For sure, Alvarez will remain in the list. Uh, and so it will depend on Ajax because they didn't want to negotiate with Chelsea on deadline day but he's a player who will remain in the list same for Sangare from PSV and Owen they are two players that they really appreciated Chelsea but they were untouchable in the last 24 hours of the market. Uh, for Guardiola Chelsea made a bid around 90 million euros for Josko Guardiola two days before the end of the window but there was no agreement with Leipzig the deal was for summer 2023 so for next summer not for now uh, but at the moment still no agreement with Red Bull Leipzig they extended his contract so let's see if Chelsea will return in January trying to Uh, prepare the market for the centre-back next summer, but for sure Chelsea will be busy, I think, in January. They will try to do something smart again. They invested in a lot of young players this summer, and I think they will continue with the strategy wanted by Totbole. So I'm curious to see what's next for Chelsea, but I'm sure that they will be busy. Well,
1: one of the quirks about the transfer window is there's always a couple of leagues who are sort of left to, to sort of pick through the leftover transfer targets. And one of the most prestigious is Turkey. Now, there's a couple of names being linked with the Turkish, Turkish Super League at the moment. You've got Mario Cardi, uh, You've got kagla uh, Soyuncu as well of uh, of Leicester City. Do you expect uh, both of those players to be on the move and perhaps any other surprise names, perhaps a player who's been left off of their club's uh, Champions League or Europa League list who might uh, end up in Turkey between now and the the end of their window.
0: I think it's a serious possibility. Now this week, they will negotiate, they will try to complete the negotiations. As you know better than me, Icardi is out of PSG plans since a long time, so they hope to find a solution with Galatasaray. The deal is advanced, but it's always up to Icardi. Every summer, they have some advanced negotiations and then they need the final green light from Mauro. So let's see if it will arrive today and the player will fly to Turkey maybe tomorrow or on Wednesday, but they hope to resolve this Icardi-to-Galatasaray solution as soon as possible. So for for Icardi, there are negotiations well, well advance, and let's see if it will be completed. Uh, and for Soyuncu, uh, it's a serious possibility. He was out of the squad uh Leicester because they are negotiating with Galatasaray. The player is tempted by this possibility, but it depends also on the conditions of the deal. So there are two serious negotiations. We will see. It's already with Basuay, what happened with Fenerbahce. They've been really fast because he was one step away from joining Nottingham Forest that the deal collapsed because Chelsea were busy on many things. Aubameyang, Zakaria, uh, many outgoings too, like uh, Billy Gilmour. So they were really busy and they uh, Nottingham Forest didn't receive the documents in time. And so the player joined Fenerbahce the day after the, the deadline day here here in Europe. So the situation has been really strange with Turkish market as always, but I'm sure that in the next days for Soyuns and Ricard it will be clear.
1: I think we've got a, a, a listener question as well about uh, Keylon Navas. Uh, were you surprised that he wasn't uh, on the move to Napoli because it was something that I felt we spoke about for, I don't know, a month, six weeks, and then suddenly fell through and he's, he's very, very much firmly the, the number two goalkeeper for Christophe Galtier at PSG.
0: Yes, he wanted Napoli move, but it is his conditions. Uh, he has an important salary. Napoli can't pay that salary, so he needed to terminate the contract with PSG with an important uh, with an important payment. And PSG decided not to go for it, so there was no agreement on the termination of the contract. And this is why the deal the deal collapsed. Napoli were hoping for Keylor Navas to be the new goalkeeper, but uh, the deal collapsed for salary reasons. So let's see if in January it could be reactivated or not. But as of now, I don't see Keylor leaving for. Turkish market or something like that he was pretty clear in his social media post by saying I will stay here at PSG I will fight for my place Galtier uh, was very clear saying Donnarumma is our first goalkeeper this season so not an easy situation for Kaylor." but as of now nothing is changing
1: well, we'll get into uh, you know who was sort of the the biggest winners and losers of the transfer window after the break. But for you, uh, you know, was there a move that you perhaps expected to materialise that didn't actually happen? I know that you uh, uh, you know, you ha- you were up to the minute on the updates for Douglas Luiz and a potential move to Arsenal, which ultimately didn't come through. But was that the most surprising move that didn't happen, or was there another that you felt sure was going to happen and then fell through?
0: Yeah, there were there were some some moves. For example, Cody Gakpo to Leeds. To Cody Gakpo to Leeds, there was a, a private flight ready for him in Eindhoven to to bring him to Leeds. The deal was almost done between all parties, and then it collapsed because Luis Van Gaal decided to call the player to tell him, okay, the best way for you is to stay uh, at PSV Eindhoven and then move maybe in January or next summer. And so everything collapsed with Leeds turning down the proposal. Uh, sorry, with uh, PSV turning down the proposal of Leeds, and then the deal the deal collapsed. Uh, Douglas Lewis, as you mentioned, Arsenal made three proposals. They arrived around twenty. £25 million for a player who is out of contract next summer and the moment has no agreement to extend his contract with Aston Villa uh, and Arsenal were really confident at one point of the afternoon but then it collapsed because for Aston Villa it was impossible to negotiate. They didn't want to lose the player so you know sometimes the market is, is crazy it's about the timing. Arsenal tried to negotiate for Douglas Duits in the final minute of the market but it didn't happen so this is the transfer window sometimes at the final minute you try to do something and it collapses.
1: All right. Picking through the bones of the transfer, the summer transfer window with Fabrizio Romano. We're going to take a quick break and then we will be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. All right, hugely exciting week of Champions League action to come. Obviously, the group stage getting started back up. Uh, delighted to still be with Fabrizio Romano, looking through everything that has just gone on in the summer transfer window. Fab, who, in your opinion, came out as the big winners of this transfer window, whether that's an individual player or a club? I would mention Barcelona,
0: honestly. Uh, I think the feeling around Barcelona has completely changed. The squad is completely changed. They have completely different levels. So... I think Barcelona have an incredible squad. They are ready to win La Liga. They are potentially ready to win La Liga because Real Madrid are always there with their fantastic champions, but they are there. And also also Man City. I think Man City, how they manage the market is something is always fascinating to me. Uh, They are fantastic with how they plan for the market. Julian Alvarez signed in January for the summer. Erling Haaland with the release clause. Uh, Calvin Phillips is a very good addition. Akanji is a very good opportunity in the last few days of the window. So they are always perfect and they are never uh, in for a panic buy on deadline day. Never. You will never see Man City moving on deadline day. I think this is something um, that shows how good is their, their plan, how good is their strategy. There are many clubs that work very well, I think, this summer, but I think Man City and Barcelona have been fantastic.
1: All right. And then when there's winners, there also have to be losers. Is there anyone that you feel had a particularly bad deadline day or transfer window in terms of clubs or individual players?
0: I think honestly um, for, for this window I think many clubs did a very good job uh, for example I was expecting something different from Atletico Madrid they side now with Molina some good players but I was expecting for example a new striker okay they have Morata back and Morata is a very good one I really like Morata he's always been very good also here in Italy with Juventus and so it's a good addition for Atletico Madrid but I was expecting for example a new striker something fresh in that position for uh, for Atletico I think in England they did a very good job uh, all, the, all the top clubs I was expecting a different kind of deadline day by Everton Everton signed Geye, okay, uh, they signed Garner from United, but I think they were needing some players in attacking positions. They need goals. They desperately need goals. And so was expecting Everton to move on some more striker, uh, like Ben Pereira diaz was an option, but at the, at the end it didn't happen. They had many possibilities, but they decided to to stay with that squad with no pay as new striker, but... I think they needed something, something different. I think big clubs did a very good job this summer. I think it was a very interesting window, also for different countries, like in Serie A, in Bundesliga, they did a very, very good job.
1: You mentioned Serie A. I'm looking forward, kind of in a curious way, to seeing Juventus up against PSG here in Paris on Tuesday. How do you feel that Juve's window went uh, individually as a a club? Because for me, I felt that Allegri wanted to make some changes. We saw that he was able to bring in a couple of new faces like Paredes, but it felt to me like it was almost like a half-achieved transfer window. So I'm not expecting to perhaps see the strongest Juve uh, in Paris this coming week.
0: I think it will be difficult to see the, the strongest Juve also because, honestly, they're waiting for Pogba and Chiesa, they are two important players for Juventus Chiesa is too important for Juventus Pogba is the player they are waiting for and they they trust him as the new start of the of the team so they are waiting for them and this is why I think it will take some time before we see the real Juventus now they are they are not performing at the best level this is clear they also need some time for example for Bremer who I think is a fantastic addition but he was used to play with a three-back defence and now he's playing in a four-back defence so it's completely different and he needs time to adapt uh, Angel Di Maria impact was very good so they have many new players like Kostic Paredes as you mentioned many many new players and so maybe they will need some time I think it's not going to be easy Paris for them absolutely because PSG seem on a different lever at the moment not just compared to Juventus but to all the Italian clubs uh, and so I think it will be a really a really complicated one but in general I think we will see the real Juventus like in January after the World Cup they will need some time they will need to have their injured players back and then at that point we will see the real Juventus of this season.
1: Uh, on the topic of Juve and PSG as well, obviously PSG moving on upwards of 20 players. Uh, you know, that's quite unprecedented for such a big club to move on that many players. Were you surprised at some of the names they managed to get out of the door by the end of the transfer window? I mean, we saw guys like Drexler, Kozawa, players that that people had forgotten about because they haven't played in sort of 18 months, uh, you know, suddenly making these unexpected moves. And, you know, Benfica certainly pulling off two surprises with Drexler and then with John Anthony Brooks as well.
0: Yes, 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 yes. With PSG, it was not an easy job, honestly. Uh, they need to change the squad completely. They wanted to sell at their conditions or to offload players at their conditions. That is never easy because, for example, some negotiations some negotiations were really long because PSG wanted to win in the negotiations, also for players that were completely out of the project. You mentioned Drax, but it's the same with Juventus and uh, and Paredes with Roma and Gini Pinaldum. So they were negotiating for a long time because they wanted to win also on the outgoings. And we saw that with Kaylor Navas. For example, I think one year ago with Kaylor Navas, they were uh, ready to agree the termination of the contract maybe in five minutes and then to send him to Napoli a free. In this case, they wanted to do it at their conditions. So, it, it has changed. Now the strategy is completely changed at PSG. It was not easy to sell and offload so many players. They are still working on Icardi, as we mentioned before, so there is still something to do, but it was a really complicated summer for, for PSG on the outcoings uh, and also with, with the incomings because they wanted Milan Skriniar till the final minute of the window, but for Inter he was untouchable. Inter president and donor Zhang said to the board and to the manager that he was not going to sell Skriniar and this is what happened, uh, but now he's out of contract next summer and so it's important to see if Inter will be able to to extend this contract or if it could be a dangerous situation for Inter in the next months.
1: I'm glad that you mentioned the final minutes of the transfer window because there was obviously some high drama that went on on deadline day. I think a situation that many of us had probably never seen unfold before. Some, you know, some of us who perhaps followed the Premier League saw it a little bit with Peter Wingy back in the day. But I mean, to see what happened with Bam- Bamba Dieng just a couple of days after the Lucas Ocampos mess between Sevilla and uh, Ajax, you know, was that is that something that was new for you as a journalist to, uh, to have to cover in real time, seeing something like that unfold? Because we've heard a lot of different reasons. About <laughs> about why it collapsed? There were some injury concerns. The player wanted to stay in France. There was a, a late bid that was made that was better uh, than the Leeds one. Leeds already had the the play and the travel in place for him. It's just it, to me, it just seemed like an absolutely crazy story from afar.
0: Completely crazy. Uh, I agree 100%. It reminded me of Berbatov, when Berbatov was close to joining Fiorentina or Juventus. Jen changed his mind on the plane and he joined Fulham and Fiorentina and Juventus were, were furious. So we have some of these stories on the transfer market, but Bamba Dieng is a is a new one. It's incredible because, um, honestly, I still remember I had a direct call with someone at Leeds. I can mention my source, of course, but internally at Leeds, and they told me, uh, OK, we're waiting for him, he's flying He's flying to, to Leeds, so we're waiting for him. We're waiting for him to have a medical and sign the contract. And I told them, no, he's not flying there, he's still at the airport. So they were checking and at the end the player was not flying there. He was negotiating at the airport together with his agent, of course, with Nice. So it was a crazy, completely crazy story, completely mad story. Uh, and then at the end, he had an agreement with Nice. It collapsed because of the medical. They spent the day after the deadline day negotiating, trying to use that deal as a joker to do the deal after the transfer window uh, to find an agreement with Marseille on different conditions, and it didn't happen. So it's crazy. It's crazy what happened. So many twists, so many changes on that story. But this is, I think, the beauty of the of the deadline day, where everything, really everything can happen in positive and in negative, and things can change in five minutes. So the Bamba Dieng story has been incredible, honestly.
1: Yeah, now speaking of changes, we kind of move from it being a player transfer window to a potentially, uh, you know, coaches being on the move. Is that what you're going to be focused on these next couple of months before the transfer window comes back around? Are there any are there are any moves that you think are in the offing from what you're hearing, potential you know, coaches who could be uh, under pressure? I mean, we're looking at Sevilla coming into the Champions League this week. There's a lot of rumours about Lopetegi whether Pochettino might be back in the mix already. Uh, he's been mentioned being linked with the Aston Villa job as well. Steven Gerrard under pressure Frank Lampard as well so you know quite a few big names that could already be moved on and of course we've seen Scott Parker already axed by Bournemouth as well.
0: Yes, there are many. Uh, also, I'm curious to see what happens with Brenda Rogers and Leicester, Lopetegui, as you mentioned, Domenico Tedesco and Leipzig is also an important situation to to keep an eye on, Favre at Nice. So there are many things to monitor with managers and with new contracts. I think these are the two important things while the window is closed. And then I'm sure that during the during the World Cup, we will have many rumours. We will start with many rumours because the clubs uh, will start focusing on the on the general transfer window with some of the opportunities. So I think the market will be a bit longer thanks to the World Cup uh, end of November beginning of December there will be many many rumors and as you mentioned yes the manager situations now will be the most interesting ones uh, I'm curious to see what happens with, the, uh, with Spanish, Italian and the English situations but also with Tedesco because Tedesco uh, at Leipzig the beginning of the season was really not good at all and so this is why I think it's one to monitor in the next days
1: Well, from one uh, German tactician to another, we've got uh, Thomas Tuchel, a question about Thomas Tuchel and his future. Uh, Is there going to be a new contract in the offing for for him at Chelsea? Or is that something where you think maybe Boley is going to wait to see how the players respond under his management? Now it's a pretty much new squad for for him to get his teeth into. Uh, Or is there perhaps some early pressure given Chelsea's mixed form so far this season?
0: no there is no pressure they're negotiating they're discussing uh, it's already two three months that they're discussing on a potential new deal so there is a negotiation uh, it will be slow it won't be something fast they will take their time they will take their time to build the project to build a new contract to discuss all the details but they're already discussing about it so I think there are good chances for Tuchel to extend the contract but of course it depends on the on the results it depends on how it will go but at the moment there is a negotiation and I think this is a positive message to Thomas Tuchel because Chelsea trusts his job Todd Ball is trusting his ideas on the market and so at the moment they want to to continue together.
1: Uh, before we get our final thoughts from Fab, just to say thanks so much for listening to Kegel so Please take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. We're also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube and visit us there. Fab, thanks so much for taking the time to have a chat with us. Uh, any final thoughts, anything you're going to be keeping an eye on this week? Uh, obviously, with the majority of the transfer activity now done, but you know, still one or two deals that could be getting across the line?
0: Yeah, so honestly, it will be on the on the Turkish league. It will be on the Turkish league because uh, the Zikardi and Soyuz stories are super interesting till the end. And so I'm curious to see, to see what happens. I'm curious to see what happens with new contracts also here in Italy, as I mentioned, Milan screening with Inter, but also see Milan with Rafael Leao is another interesting story. We have to see how it will continue because Leao is destroying the league. He's doing incredible, really. He's on another level. And so they need to uh, sign a new contract as soon as possible because he's out of contract in summer 2024. So it's something that they want to resolve this season. And then we will see. It will be a long season. So enjoy Champions League and see you soon here on Kegolaso.
1: Oh, fantastic stuff. Thank you. And see you all soon.